Hello and welcome all listeners to Xavier Newswire Live, the radio show that will catch you up on all the Xavier news from Ledgewood Drive to Dana Avenue and beyond. Today is August 30th. We are bringing the show to you live on XUFM. I'm David Ludwig, and in this host of Newswire Live, you'll get to, uh, in this episode of Newswire Live, you'll get to hear the Newswire multimedia crew bring you the rundown on Graders and Credo, the Student Government Association, COVID-19 on campus, this week in Cincinnati history, the campus catch-up, world news, and stuff to do around town. That's enough for me now, so let's get right into the show. At this time, I'll turn it over to Emma Stevens for our first story on Graders and Credo. Businesses across the country are feeling the effects of labor shortages and supply line disruptions, and Xavier's on-campus restaurants are no exception. For the past two weeks, Carrito has operated with limited hours of operation due to severe staffing shortages. Banners and flyers remain hung outside the eatery seeking employees and offering bonuses for immediate hires. With few employees, the restaurant has only been open on weekday evenings. For this foreseeable future, Corito will be open from 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. on Monday through Thursday and 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. on Fridays. It will remain closed on Saturday and Sunday. Similarly, labor shortages have impacted the on-campus food options in the Gallagher Student Center. Last week, Burger 513 had to open an hour and a half later than expected due to staffing issues. Xavier Dining Services has also released a statement stating that Victory Perk would be closed for this entire week. At this time, none of these establishments have had to permanently adjust their operating hours. Xavier is also saying goodbye to the graders located at University Station, which is set to close in mid-September. The Cincinnati Favorite Ice Cream brand opened this location in 2014, and its time-serving scoops is coming to a close. A five-minute walk from the heart of Xavier's campus, this popular dessert stop will be missed by the Xavier community. Jane Doily, a senior, said, I'm sad to see the Xavier graders close. That was always a fun spot to meet up with friends and treat ourselves after a long and stressful week of classes. I'm definitely going to miss it. Unfortunately, the Cincinnati Classics business took a hit when United Dairy Farmers opened their new location at the intersection of Dana Avenue and Montgomery Road. The competition from UDF has made renewing the lease of the Xavier Graders an illogical choice for the family-owned company. The store will close on September 12th when their seven-year lease is up. Thank you very much, Eva. Now we'd like to turn it over to Jesse Dolahan for our student perspective. Jesse, take it away. Students really enjoy the restaurants available on campus, including Burger 513 as a standout among first years. However, a lot of students would like more dining options available on the weekends and late at night. Molly Didna, a first-year student, said, I do wish that there were more late-at-night options other than the pizza ATM, especially on the weekends. Other students would like for more options to be available close to campus, with many students being sad about the local graders closing. It will be sad to see the ice cream parlor go because of how popular it has become among Xavier students as a place to hang out. As to how the restaurants complement the calf, there are many mixed opinions about this. Some feel like the food offered at the restaurant is too similar to the cast food selection, with the only place that offers food that is completely unique to it being Fujisan in the Gallagher Student Center. Some students see that places like Corito and Burger 513 specialize in their respective foods, so that if you want to go to a good burger, you would rather go to Burger 513 than the CAF. Andrew Sanders, a first year, said, I honestly wouldn't mind if there was more variety. The only restaurant here that I really enjoy the type of food at is Burger 513, and I could just go to the cafe if I want a burger. Students would also like to see more places add to the restaurants on campus, 
with Chick-fil-A being very popular among students. Another name that came up often was Skyline Chili because of its status as a signature Cincinnati dish. Many felt that it would be nice to have something like Skyline to have people from outside of the Cincinnati area try it. Thank you very much, Jesse. Uh, now we're going to slide it on over to Hunter Ellis for our story on the SGA, but first a pause. Welcome back, listeners. Um, now we'd like to send it over to Hunter Ellis for our story on the SGA. Thanks, David. During the Student Government Association meeting today, many senators from different committees expressed dissatisfaction with the current state of SGA as a whole. In an opinion entry, Senator David Reeves asked Vice President Marina Salazar to step down from her position. Have a listen to the opinion entry for yourself. Um, speaking with um, many senators from many committees. As of where we are standing in this semester and after this summer, uh, a lot of the Senate is dissatisfied with the um, current state of the executives. And currently, like, a few of us would like to go forward with asking for um, Vice President Salazar to resign. We currently have certain grounds to ask for this that could lead towards um, an, imp an impeachment. And so, as of right now, um, you know, one executive member is currently not presently in the state of Ohio and isn't um, planning on being in the state of Ohio for the remainder of the semester. Um, after consultation with some of the advisors, um, the advisor has not been made aware of this. Um, also, we have heard that there has been difficulties to meet with the advisor um, every week over the summer as well as um, to kick off this year. As of right now, we many of us are just dissatisfied in what we are seeing out of the executives. And we would just kind of like to, again, ask for the resignation of Vice President Salazar and kind of to see the improvement of the entire Council of the Executives in just, in a sense, being more prepared. These meetings that we've had to discuss these things, some of us met probably for cumulatively about six, actually probably more than six hours this week discussing this and um, countless emails, countless text messages and conversations with senators one-on-one -on -one to see how everybody felt. And so we just want to ensure that the time that we're putting in and the energy that we're putting in, we are seeing from the people that are truly representing us above us. In response, Michaela Connors asked the Senate to move to a closed session so that the Senate and executives could discuss the matter privately. The executive ticket, which includes Mickey Townsend, Marina Salazar, and Michaela Connors, did not respond to the Newswire's request for comment. But since then, Marina Salazar posted a statement to her Instagram. It read, My time as a student government executive was anything but pleasant. From being undermined by advisors to facing microaggressions from Xavier faculty and staff, I've never truly felt welcomed in this space. Instead of trying to uplift a female minority and STEM at Xavier, I was constantly being teared down. Myself, 
along with the other executives, were the first female executive group in history. We faced sexism in numerous degrees from Newswire, our senators, and staff. The advisors spoke behind my back to fellow SGA executives numerous times in unprofessional manners and were constantly telling me everything that I was doing wrong, instead of offering guidance. I was more hurt when I found out that the advisors were the ones who pushed the Senate for my resignation after I had met with them pri prior and it had not been brought up at all. There were moments when I wanted to resign from my position in SGA because of the backlash and torment I was facing. However, I understood the sig significance of serving as a voice for minority students like me on campus. SGA is known on campus to be a PPP thing, but I do not identify as such. I was proud when our executive team recruited the most diverse Senate Xavier has ever seen. SGA has not contributed to aiding my mental or physical health, and instead of being remembered for all the great things our executive team has done, I'm being blamed for our collective failure for the first two weeks of the semester. I dedicated numerous hours and energy to help the Xavier student body. I've had days with meetings until midnight, and others where I was constantly batting staff and professors, battling, excuse me, staff and professors to make sure that student voices were heard, all while taking three jobs, taking 18 credit hours, and fulfilling my scholarship requirements. I've loved my experience at Xavier and everything I've accomplished here. However, my SGA experience will forever taint how I view Xavier. My whole time at Xavier, I've tried to be a voice for the voiceless and stand up for what is just. I'm a community-engaged fellow, Hispanic Scholarship Fund scholar, Dean's List recipient, Harvard Technology Fellow, Summer Research Scholar, and Admissions Ambassador, and in addition to serving on the professor hiring committees and numerous executive boards for clubs on campus, I am a leader. I've represented Xavier on the national stage as one of 10 females out of 80,000 to be an HSF leader and education reward recipient. Our executive team has had to face obstacles unseen in SGA history from dealing with COVID-19's effects on campus to going through a major administration change. No other SGA executives experienced this in recent decades. I was treated like my opinion, my experience did not matter in spaces that my voice should have been heard. Effective immediately, I am resigning from Xavier Student Government Association. I'd rather resign than have racist, sexist, and egotistical individuals drag my name through the mud. I've contributed significantly to uplifting the Xavier community, and I want the legacy I leave behind to be on my own terms. We have one representative from SGA who wished to join us today, so I'm going to turn it over to Senator David Reeves. David? Yeah, thank you, Hunter. Um, in the wake of this resignation, um, I feel like it's important for us to um, take some of the things that former Vice President Salazar said and just sit on them for a minute. Um, the advisors did not go behind the back of um, the executives. The committee of which I sit on, the Student Organizations Committee, during our meeting, all of us sat down and discussed, um, uh, Senator Ryan Dollywall was not present at this committee meeting, but all of us sat down and were very vocal about our displeasure with the current executive ticket and how they've handled the first two weeks. We are the governing body for every student organization on this campus, and we did not have a table at Club Day. We had a week of welcome event, and due to the mismanagement of it by our executive ticket and some other factors, the event did not happen, and we you know, lost money on that. 
But the most important thing is when our advisors um, came in and talked to us, they said that we hold the power to get stuff done. And this resignation comes in the wake of many senators wanting to resign and rejoin under a different executive ticket. This is something that was kind of lost in our meeting today, but if not for this opportunity for us to show that we are unsatisfied with what we've gotten over the summer in communication and in these just, you know, three first meetings, if we do not take charge now, this, this student government could falter and not be the sign that it needs to be. We want to be a shining symbol at this university to help grow and make this university stronger. And so for Vice President Salazar to step down, say these comments, it hurts our student government, it, hate, it hurts our university, but most importantly, it hurts our students. And that is the last thing that we want from our student government association. We want for our students to know that we are a shining light for them. Thank you, Senator David Reeves. Um, you've certainly given us a lot to think about in the wake of this uh, chain of events. Moving on, uh, every week, the Newswire Live will be updating listeners on the status of COVID-19 on campus. As of August 29th, there are a total of 171 cases in the Xavier community, with five employees, 18 students isolated on campus, and 148 students isolated off campus. As of August 26th, there are two students in quarantine in their campus residence, no students in quarantine in a designated quarantine space, and 39 students in quarantine off campus. The current vaccination rate is 85% for employees and 79% for students. Now turning it over to our editor-in-chief, Alex Budzinski, so that we can have an update on the university's COVID policies. Thanks, David. As we just heard, there are currently 171 positive active cases on Xavier's campus, the majority of which are in off-campus student populations. As cases have tripled in the past week, the university is continuing to adjust their protocols every day. As of last Thursday, the Hubble once again require masks for all students using the facility, reversing a decision from the week prior. With the exception of swimming or showering, the renewed mask requirement has been reinstated to mitigate the spread of the virus. Additionally, the drastic spike in cases resulted in an email on Friday afternoon. The campus message outlined several risk-reducing behaviors to help stop the spread of COVID-19. In part, the university asked students to avoid large gatherings, spend time outdoors, wear masks more frequently, and limit guests in residence halls. While these policies are not yet mandated by the university, administrators have said that they will have to be reinstated if COVID-19 cases continue to climb. One concrete change that has been put into place are new guest policies in residence halls. Students are now required to wear a mask in all common spaces within dorms. Residence Life has also asked students to limit occupancy to residents of a room plus two guests. The director of Residence Life, Lori Lambert, is hopeful that these measures will be relaxed as COVID-19 cases decrease in the coming weeks. These updates and this surge are coinciding with the university's vaccine mandate that was announced last Wednesday. For now, Newswire will continue to monitor the status of the pandemic at Xavier. Thank you very much, Alex, for those updates. Now we're going to slide it back over to Hunter Ellis for This Week in Cincinnati History. Well, David, for This Week in Cincinnati History, I suppose I'm going to take you outside of Cincinnati and let's talk about 
this week in U.S. history. Oh, really? So, there are quite a few monumental events that happen in U.S. history this week. So let's talk about some of them. Today in history, August 30th, in 1967, Thurgood Marshall became the first African-American to be confirmed as a Supreme Court Justice. Marshall served as Supreme Court Justice for 24 years. His landmark cake as his landmark oh my his landmark case as a lawyer was in Brown v. Board of Education of Topeka. In that case, Marshall argued that the separate but equal principle was unconstitutional. Then the next day, August 31st, tomorrow's date, August 31st, 1997, Diana, Princess of Wales, died shortly after midnight. She was 36 years old time of her death and princess diana was one of the most popular public figures in the world uh, diana's funeral which would be broadcast one week later on september 6 was watched by over two billion people then on september 2nd aboard the uss missouri in tokyo bay japan formally surrenders to the allies which they would be the last nation to surrender to the allied forces and this would draw an end to world war ii at the beginning of August, precisely on August 6th, a USB-29 bomber dropped an atomic bomb on the Japanese city of Hiroshima. That dropping killed an estimated 80,000 people and also wounded several more. So by this time, the surrender was a foregone conclusion. But officially, uh, Japanese Foreign Minister uh, Mamiro Shigemitsu uh, signed on behalf of the Japanese government the surrender. And that's what happened this week in U.S. history. Thanks. Back to you, David. Uh, not back to me for long, though, because we're going to slide it on over to the campus catch-up with our new campus correspondent, Alyssa Sepulveda. Thanks, David. Our next campus blood drive will be on Monday, September 13th through Wednesday, September 15th. Please consider participating. The Hawksworth donor bus will be here at 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. All donors will receive a special edition Xavier pullover. The Xavier Art Gallery, located in the A.B. Cohen Center, will be featuring artwork of regional high school art teachers. The exhibit is currently on display through September 17th, and the gallery is open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and by appointment. Stop by and enjoy some great art. On Thursday, September 2nd, join XUPD officers for an interactive class to learn some self-awareness and self-defense techniques. The class is from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. and will be located in the Flynn Hall parking lot. If you're interested, contact Stephanie Lorenz for more info and to RSVP. Lastly, located in the Nexus Garden across from the hub, there will be a honey harvest and beekeeping talk at the Xavier Beehives on Wednesday, September 5th. I mean, September 1st. Starting at 5 p.m., Xavier professor Emily Franzen will talk about some beekeeping basics and demonstrate live how to harvest honey. All attendees will be able to taste and bring home some honey. And that's the campus catch-up. Back to you, David. Thank you very much, Alyssa. Listeners, we're going to take a short little break while we get our next guests in, so we'll see you after then. Welcome back, listeners. 
<laughs> welcoming our new guest, or not a new guest, a returning guest, um, Sebastian Aguilar. Sebastian, what's happening in the world? In the world right now, here's some, uh, here's some things you should probably know. Uh, as of today, the U.S. has officially ended the war in Afghanistan after 20 years. Uh, there are officially no U.S. troops in the country anymore, and ultimately the Taliban won. Uh, Hurricane Edith struck the Gulf Coast earlier this week, especially uh, Louisiana. The entire city of New Orleans is without power, and authorities have said that the power won't be back for weeks. And uh, Fortnite has announced a living MLK exhibition inside the game, which begs a lot of questions, such as why? Uh, right now in Things That Suck, uh, the Phi Gamma Delta fraternity, aka Fiji House at University of Nebraska, has been shut down over multiple reports of uh, rape occurring in the house. This culminated in protests surrounding the house with protesters chanting F Fiji. Since 2005, Fiji has had over 103 reports of rape or attempted rape by members of the frat. China is limiting minors' online gaming playtime to an hour a day on the weekends. They can do this because to play games there, you have to use your government ID. Gamers truly are the most oppressed group in China. Hurricane Ida was actually so bad that it actually reversed the flow of the Mississippi River for a bit. You gotta hand it to Ida. That's impressive. And the U.S. has been removed from the EU's safe travel list due to the surge in Delta variant COVID cases. This means that U.S. citizens will have to quarantine on arrival to countries in the European Union. This quarantine can be circumvented if you provide proof of vaccination. Now, things that don't suck, uh, actor and heir to the Arm and Hammer fortune, Army Hammer, has been blacklisted by most Hollywood studios for being a cannibal. And China is testing out the world's first thorium reactor. Thorium is an abundant substance with minimal waste and produces around the same power as a nuclear power plant, but with a lot less radioactivity and less opportunity to explode dramatically. And that's what's going on in the world. Thank you very much, Sebastian. Uh, now I would like to welcome our next three guests. Trevor Tamire, Leighton Gamage, and Grady Griffin for our Downtown Lowdown. So this weekend, we went to the Black Bear and Maroon 5 concert. And personally, I'm a big fan of Black Bear, so it was actually very enjoyable having him as the opening act. Of course, he kind of had a slow start because the crowd wasn't as excited at first. But once he started playing a lot of his older music, you can definitely see the crowd get into the groove of things. And... Overall, the concert was a blast. I highly recommend going to a concert here, and just, it was amazing, so. I can certainly agree. Uh, going to live concerts is something that's really interesting to me, just seeing musicians perform in their natural environment. I mean, that is their full-time job, is to perform on stage for thousands of guests. As far as Maroon 5, I thought the... Uh, um, the recordings that they were playing behind them were really interesting. They matched the oddness and the weird that follows all of their music videos. So on that note, I really thought that Maroon 5 kept their traditions. They played most of their well-known songs and a lot of their new ones, too. Yeah, I personally, I really enjoyed the concert. Um, I, you know, 
it was kind of like I think the craziest part to me, at least, is just the fact that they got a ticket because there were like 85 on campus, and apparently they sold out within like four minutes, which I just think is absolutely ridiculous. But it was it was totally a blast. I mean, food prices are exorbitant, but what else can you expect from a concert? But honestly, uh, Adam Levine on stage, he would go on stage. Everyone was screaming. It was wild. You know, still looking great, obviously. Um, Black Bear was also really interesting. I personally have never really heard Black Bear, so this is like my first real exposure to them, but I thought it was really wild. And as uh, Lay said, you could really hear all the people really getting into it as time went on with it. And just as time was going on, you just hear, like, they'd say the name of a song and everyone would just scream with excitement. It was, it was wild. Wonderful. Thank you to all of you. Uh, that was amazing. Wish I had been there. Uh, hope you all had fun. Listeners, unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for today in this episode of Newswire Live. Thank you so very much for tuning into the show today. If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns for the Newswire multimedia crew, send them over to our email, which is xaviernewswire at gmail.com. We'd like to give a special thanks to Carolyn Youngquist, who produced the music heard in today's show. At this time, we'd also like to give a shout out to our staff and guests who helped make this episode possible. Thank you so very, very much to Managing Multimedia Editor Hunter Ellis, Newswire Editor-in-Chief Alex Budzinski, Newswire Managing Editor Mo Junger, Show Manager Emma Stevens, Campus Correspondent Chloe Salveson, Campus Correspondent in Training Alyssa Sepulveda, Audio Editor... Sebastian Aguilar, and our guests for the show, Jesse Dolahan, David Reeves, Leighton Gamage, Grady Griffin, and Trevor Tameyer. Without any of you, this show would not be possible. If you missed any of our episodes, you can find full Newswire Live episodes and other segments on our YouTube channel. Just search Xavier Newswire or on Spotify to find our page. Xavier Newswire would also love you very, very much to make our episodes a weekly occasion come listen to us live which as always our time is monday at 7 p.m and until next time this is your host david ludwig reminding you to be yourself because everyone else is taken credit to oscar wilde reminding my parents to have a very happy anniversary tomorrow and signing off